0: greetings ladies and gentlemen theo hickmat here friends call me jason zelda singer songwriter and bible teacher today i'm going to be addressing some questions that were sent to me in the comments section here on youtube under my video that i put together years ago called answering the critics of the king james bible Uh, the person left a whole bunch of questions that i believe that many of my other Christian brothers and sisters out there are also asked concerning the King James. This person here, though, it's very clear that they are anti-King James Bible, and uh, these questions were sent to me in hopes of destroying my faith in the King James Bible, thinking that I would not have any answers for these questions. I believe that there are a lot of my Christian brothers and sisters out here who are asked some of these similar questions, and they're asked for the purpose of trying to stomp you for the purpose of trying to confuse you for the purpose of trying to to get you to turn your back on the good old-fashioned King James Bible and uh, I wrote the person back and I said uh, here's my email address you know feel free to write me and I'll send you a response because there was a lot of questions that he had written down there and the person never bothered to even respond back and I decided that since the person took the time to jot down all these questions and these are questions that are often asked of us King James Bible people to try to destroy our faith in the Word of God, I decided that what I would do was simply answer the questions, but do it in video form. That way you'll have the answers too and you'll know how to deal with these issues. If somebody should come along trying to get you to turn your back on the King James Bible to follow some other version, you'll have some answers to these questions. We're gonna be dealing with seven questions in particular. His first question is, what's wrong with having a Bible with sentences that ye can clearly understand yes he actually put the ye in his question as I say he's an anti King James Bible person it appears so he used the ye as a way of attacking the King James Bible because the King James Bible uses words like thee thou and ye And I can't help but notice that when people attack the King James Bible for using words like thee, thou and ye, they never take the time to explain what does thee mean? What does thou mean? What does ye mean? They'll attack the words, but they won't define them for you. And I think the reason why they won't define them is because they know that if they define the words and tell you what they mean, it's going to destroy the whole argument behind people leaving the King James to go after so-called modern versions of the Bible. So let me take a few moments to explain to you what the, thou and ye means. In the English language we have the word you. The problem with the word you is you can be talking to one person and say you and you'd be right. At the same time you could be talking to a stadium with thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people and say you and you'd still be right. You can be singular or plural. The King James translators were aware of this. So in order to get around that problem so that when you are reading the Bible, you're only gonna run into the words "thee," thou and ye when there's a conversation going on. So you need to know, is the person talking to one person or is the person talking to a group of people? Is the person talking about one person or is the person talking about a group of people? In order to settle that, a simple formula was used. If there's only one person being spoken to or spoken about, a T word would be used. Thee, thou, thy, or thine. So there's only one person being spoken to or only one person being spoken about. A T word would be used. Thee, thou, thy, or thine. Which word is used depends on the context of the verse. If there is more than one person being spoken to or more than one person being spoken about then a Y word would be used. You, your, or ye. So if you run into you, your, or ye in the King James Bible that means that more than one person is being spoken about. More than one person. Now why is it important to have these words in an English Bible? let's go to John chapter 3 verse 7 in John chapter 3 verse 7 Jesus is talking to Nicodemus he tells Nicodemus ye must be born again and Nicodemus didn't understand what he meant so Jesus in John chapter 3 verse 7 in my King James Bible says marvel not that I said unto thee ye must be born again now when you understand the T words are singular thee, thou, thy, and thine the Y words are plural you, your, and ye so he says marvel not that I said unto thee that's singular Jesus talking to Nicodemus about Nicodemus but the next word is a Y word ye ye in this context is plural as always and it means all of you all mankind must be born again you and I are contained within those two letters ye. So when you read it from the King James Bible you can see that the verse begins with Jesus talking to Nicodemus about Nicodemus but the verse ends with Jesus talking to Nicodemus about everybody. That distinction is brought out by the use of the T words thee, thou, thy, and thine for singular and the Y words you, your, and ye for plural. That's easy. That helps you understand a deeper meaning of what the Bible's trying to convey. I'll give you one more to help bring it out again in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 31. Here we have Jesus talking to Peter, but he's not just talking about Peter. How do we know? Because of the T words and the Y words. So let's take a look and see what he says. He says, and I got my screen right over here. Says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. When you read this, understanding the T words are singular, the Y words are plural, you'll see that Jesus speaking to Simon Peter starts off by saying, Satan have desired to have you. You is one of the Y words, means he's talking about more than one person. Satan desired to have all the disciples to sift them all as wheat. But Jesus, knowing that Peter was one of the weaker ones, now focuses his attention directly on Peter because it's all t words all singular from here forward I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren when you read it from the King James you can see by the use of the these and ye's when one person is being spoken about versus when more than one is being spoken about the modern versions do not bring this out for the passage dealing with Nicodemus, the modern versions would say something like, do not marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. And they have the whole verse revolving around Nicodemus and only Nicodemus. Where in the King James, the verse begins talking about Nicodemus, the verse ends by talking about everybody. When it comes to this passage here, the King James makes it clear, Jesus talks about more than one at the beginning of the verse and then talking about Peter in particular at the end of the verse. In the modern versions again that distinction is not brought out because they refuse to use the these thousand ye's and they'll have Jesus saying Satan have desired to have you to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you. They have the whole verse revolving around Peter and only Peter. So the these thousand ye's are there in order to separate singular only talking about one person versus plural talking about more than one person that helps bring out the deeper meaning in the Bible the King James Bible has it the modern versions don't so while they attack the King James Bible for using these words I'm hoping now you'll understand why these words are important to have in an English Bible His next question says, why would someone feel threatened because some deviate from a King James version translated by fallible men? Because this is a a long question and it's going to require a little bit of a deeper answer, I'm going to unpack it in several parts. We're going to first deal with why would someone feel threatened by a Bible version? the second thing we're going to deal with is the deviations of the modern versions and how they deviate from what the Bible says we'll deal with the translators later on because he deals with the translators in another question and rather than dealing with the question twice I'll just take it all at once so let's just go ahead with the first part why would someone feel threatened because some deviates from the King James Bible it's not we who stand for the King James Bible that are threatened. It is those who have attacked the King James Bible that treat the King James Bible as if it's a threat. And for them it is. For them it really is. You see, it's only when you have a King James Bible and you put it up next to one of the modern versions. This is the New International Version here when you put the King James up against one of the modern versions and you start comparing them verse for verse you then begin starting to see how the modern versions have been changing what the Bible says so the goal behind the makers of the modern versions has been to get the King James Bible completely off the playing field just remove it from the playing field that way the only Bibles you have to choose from are the so-called modern versions. But there's a secret that the modern versions has. Who started this fight? Who started this Bible version fight? It wasn't us. This Bible version fight started before the King James Bible was even translated. Who started it? It was started by the Catholic Church's leadership in times past before we had all the technology we have today if you wanted to know what the Bible had to say you had to go to a holy man a Jewish priest, a Jewish rabbi, a Catholic priest, a Catholic monk they might have access to Bible manuscripts. You may run into an occasional Christian that might have access to some manuscripts depending on where he might have come in contact with some. There were plenty that were going around as the Jewish people were being very faithful and copying these manuscripts of the Bible so that every generation would have a copy the Catholic Church wanted to keep it that only their religious class would have the Bible they didn't want the average man or average woman having a Bible that way they would have a lot of power whenever a man rose up and found some manuscripts of the Bible and tried to translate it into their language if the Catholic Church's leadership found out about it they would hunt them down and put them to death that's how serious they was about not wanting the average man or the average woman having the Word of God for themselves When King James became King of England, though, the Catholic Church ran into a brick wall because King James made two things very clear when he took the throne. One of the things he made clear is that even though his family's Catholic, he's not. He's Protestant. That angered the Catholic Church's leadership because that meant for as long as King James was King of England, they wouldn't have a lot of power in England. The second thing King James made clear is that he wanted the average person to have the Bible for themselves and he began to gather together these translators these men who knew these ancient languages so that they could take these more than 5,000 manuscripts that they had gathered and translate them into English that angered the Catholic Church leadership also and as I mentioned to you earlier whenever the Catholic Church leadership found out that people were trying to translate the Bible for themselves, they'd hunt them down and kill them. King James was no different. They sent people to England for the purpose of assassinating King James, but not just him, to assassinate him and his entire government all in one fell swoop. They were going to gather them all together in a building, the Parliament building, and then they were going to blow the building up. This assassination attempt became so infamous To this day, it became known as the Gunpowder Plot.
1: But by far, the most nefarious conspiracy the Jesuits set forth during the Middle Ages was the Gunpowder Plot of 1605.
2: The Gunpowder Plot came about because when Elizabeth I died in 1603, Rome was very interested to have a Catholic monarch on the throne and the Pope at the time sent <coughs> the Jesuit Provincial Father Henry Garnett uh, of England uh, two bulls which set out this strategy and, uh, and urged him to ensure that uh, no one should ascend the throne of England unless they declared themselves to be a faithful Roman Catholic. What happened, of course, was that James I, when he ascended the throne, he declared himself to be a Protestant. And therefore, uh, Rome decided that he had to be removed.
1: The instrument Rome would employ to get rid of the new king was a Spanish soldier named Guy Fawkes, a man whose name is remembered every year to this day as the English burn effigies of him on Guy Fawkes night. Why? Because Fox planted some 36 barrels of gunpowder beneath the houses of parliament, intending to blow up King James and the entire government of England. Out of the chaos that would follow, Rome and her Jesuit order had planned to reestablish control of the country.
2: Well, Guy Fawkes was um I think what we would call a Jesuit co-agitator he wasn't uh, a Jesuit priest as such to my knowledge but he was a um, he was a professional mercenary soldier and he had uh, fought in the Catholic army of Spain
1: Fox was discovered just moments before detonating the gunpowder in what the English people clearly saw as an act of god Fox was publicly executed as was his fellow conspirator the Jesuit provincial Henry Garnett. But Garnett was not the only Jesuit to be involved in the plot. At the trial, the esteemed lawyer Sir Edward Coke said, I never knew a treason without a Romish priest. But in this, there are very many Jesuits who are known. Garnett in England, Cresswell in Spain, Baldwin in Flanders, Parsons at Rome. So the principal offenders are the seducing Jesuits, men that use the most sacred and blessed name of Jesus as a mantle to cover all manner of wickedness. Tupper Saucy writes that during this era the play Macbeth by William Shakespeare was actually a so-called powder play commemorating the gunpowder plot and that Macbeth is an elaborate condemnation of the Jesuits as Satanists, murderers, and witches. But the year before the Jesuit plan was overthrown, Puritan leader John Reynolds had proposed that a new Bible translation be set forth. King James gave his approval, and the work began on the King James Bible. Was it just a coincidence that one year later the gunpowder treason took place?
2: Certainly an expected outcome of a successful plot would be that all work on the uh, New Bible translation which was taking place at that time that started in 1604, that all that work would be terminated and terminated permanently. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, that is um, what the Jesuits intended as well.
1: But by the grace of God the gunpowder plot was overthrown and King James would survive to see the famous Bible that would bear his name
0: Come to completion. So, over time, the Catholic Church had released their Bible and the Holy Bible. It wasn't called a King James Bible in the beginning, it was simply called the Holy Bible. This idea of calling this a version of any kind is a relatively new thing. It was originally simply called the Holy Bible. When the Holy Bible came out, over time, it began to become more popular than the Catholic Bible that angered the catholic church leadership also they didn't like that so what do they do about it let's fast forward to the modern day years ago I did research into cults one thing I've learned about cult leaders is cult leaders want to strictly control the information that you receive what you read what videos you watch even the people you talk to and I'm going to let you know this, people who are involved in cults, they don't know they're in a cult when they're in the cult. It's only when they come out and they look back at it, they go, wow, I didn't know, I couldn't, can't believe, you used to believe this stuff. But when you're in the cult, you don't know you're in a cult. But one of the signs of a cult is they will forbid you to speak to former members. If you're in a religion that tells you you're not allowed to speak to former members of the group, even if it's your own family, it doesn't matter how many Bible verses they try to throw at you out of context Jesus never shunned anybody he was never walking down the street and somebody had rejected him and he see that person walking down the street coming down the other way and he turns and goes the other way he never did that He never did that at all he's our example if you're involved in a religion that tells you to shun former members you're in a cult and you need to get out of there you need to come to Jesus and get back together with your friends and your family that left the group and find out why they really left. But cult leaders want to strictly control the information that you receive. This here is a Catholic Bible. Because it's a Catholic Bible put together by the Catholic Church for the Catholic member, there'll be information in here that for an outsider it's not going to mean much to them. But for those that are members of the Catholic Church, it'll mean a lot to them. They'll put information in here that is especially for the Catholic member. So you see here on the side, it says Catholic. Okay, it's Catholic Bible. This is called the New American Bible. Okay, the New American Bible, Catholic Bible. There's information in here that is designed to appeal to the Catholic. I'm going to try to slide here so you guys can see. So it starts off, it's got a picture of the Pope sitting on a golden throne doing a really weird hand gesture. Strange. If you're a Roman Catholic that means a lot to you. If you're not a Roman Catholic, it doesn't really mean a lot. They have here the Vatican. Again, if you're a Roman Catholic that means a lot to you. Here a succession of the Popes is written here again if you're Roman Catholic that means a lot to you if you're not a Roman Catholic it doesn't really mean a lot to you this is designed to appeal to the Roman Catholic now they have the rosary in here and all that stuff it's all in here it is designed by the Catholic leadership for the Catholic member when you go to the back of this Bible they have something there that I want you to see all the way in the back they have a section here entitled The Encyclopedic Dictionary. Let me pick this up again. Catholic Bible. Open it up. And you see here The Catholic Encyclopedic Dictionary. In this Catholic Encyclopedic Dictionary, there is a section called The Index of Forbidden Books. Hope that will focus in on that so you can see it the index of forbidden books. I'm going to read for you what it says here in the index of forbidden books and I'm gonna put it up on the screen so you can see it as well. Does the Catholic Church forbid their members to read certain books just like a cult does? Well you're about to find out. The index of forbidden books located on page 36 in the back of this Catholic Bible this is what it says index of forbidden books books harmful to faith and morals the reading of which is expressly forbidden by the Holy See any book or publication whose material constitutes a danger to the faith or morals of the reader is prohibited forbidden books would include number one any non-Catholic edition or translation of the Holy Bible for example The King James Version. I want you to take note, because I want to put the entire thing on the screen. There is no other Bible or book mentioned by name as being forbidden for a Catholic to read. The only one mentioned by name. is the King James Bible. You see, the King James Bible began to become more popular than the Catholic Bible. They couldn't beat the King James. It's translated from the Jewish manuscripts. The Catholic Bible is translated from Catholic manuscripts. This is the Word of God, the King James Bible. They couldn't beat it, so what do they do? You can't beat it, you ban it. Last I checked, there's more than a billion Catholics on the face of the earth. That's what I'm told, more than a billion of them. And they have been ordered by the Pope who they call the Holy See. They're forbidden to read the King James Bible. They're prohibited from reading the King James Bible. The only book in the entire index that's mentioned by name. We didn't start this fight. This fight was brought to us. Now I mentioned to you earlier, the modern versions have a secret. This new international version. I don't use it for study. I use it to expose it. What do these modern versions have in common? What's their secret? Their secret is they're translated from Catholic manuscripts. You wonder why there's no other Bible version mentioned in the index. All the other Bible versions that are on the market, the modern versions, they're all translated from Catholic manuscripts. Vaticanus, Sinaiticus, and Westcott and Hort also known as nestle Aland the United Bible Society manuscripts. It's all Roman Catholic stuff. It all has ties to the Catholic Church. The King James Bible is the one that doesn't have the connection to the Catholic Church. So it becomes the enemy for them. And they want it off the playing field so that the only Bibles you have to choose from are Bibles that come from the Catholic manuscripts. We didn't ask for this fight. They brought the fight to us. We're not threatened by the modern versions. They're acting like they're threatened by us. And they should be. They should be. Because as I mentioned, this King James Bible, when you set it down next to these modern versions, it's like a magnifying glass that'll show you the stuff they took out and it'll show you the stuff they put in. If they can get rid of this book, they can continue to take stuff out of the Bible and you'll never know it's gone. Then continue to add stuff to the Bible that don't belong in it, and you'd never know it didn't belong in there because you have nothing to compare it to. The modern versions repeat each other's errors. The King James Bible exposes the errors. So he asked the question here, why would someone feel threatened? Because someone deviates from the King James Bible? It's not us who are threatened. We didn't ban more than a billion people from reading the modern versions. If you want to meet a modern version, it's on you. I just try to warn people. That's all, I'm not the only one. If you want the real word of God, it's right here. There's no more excuses, you can't say you can't understand these thousand years, I just explained that. That obstacle's out of the way, you can now read this King James Bible and understand it. And understand this book is far deeper than these modern versions. It's not us that's threatened, but the Catholic Church by order of the Holy See, using words like prohibited and forbidden, can't read that King James Bible it's a shame. What are they afraid of? What are they threatened about? Could it be that they know that if the Roman Catholic read a King James Bible, they would know there's no such thing as purgatory? Could it be that if they read the King James Bible, they would know that Mary proclaimed she was a sinner? She said she needed a savior. Could it be that they would realize that Mary was not sinless as they're taught? Could it be that there's no Pope in here? there's no confession to a priest in here there's no sacraments in here could it be that Mary did not ascend into heaven in here a lot of the things that they teach it's not in the real Bible maybe that's why they don't want people reading the King James but nonetheless it's not us who's threatened it is those who are promoting the modern versions that are acting as if they're threatened by the King James to the point that they try to ban it. The next part of this question deals with deviations and either this person doesn't know about these deviations or doesn't care about the deviations. I can't go through all the deviations. There are just way too many. I'm gonna deal with just a couple. We're gonna start here. Revelation 22, 16, in the King James Bible, and in the modern versions they agree that Jesus identifies himself as the morning star version after version after version Jesus identifies himself in Revelation 22 16 as the morning star if you know that the devil's name is Lucifer you got it from one place you got it from here because the modern versions have decided to remove Lucifer from the modern versions altogether that name is gone it only appears one time in the entire Bible and that's Isaiah chapter 14 but that's only if you have a King James Bible the modern version the more popular modern versions have removed the name Lucifer completely from their pages but just removing the name wasn't good enough for them they had to take it to the next level in the King James Bible it says, How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar or a Christian to know who Lucifer is. Christian and non Christian alike knows who Lucifer is. It's the devil, Satan. So you don't have to reinterpret that. You don't have to retranslate that. The verses go on to say Thou shalt be brought down to hell. Again, Christian or non Christian alike you don't need a deeper interpretation of understanding what hell is. When you say hell, there's an image that comes in your mind and it usually has something to do with fire. So you don't need to have that reinterpreted. But what has many of the modern versions done? I just mentioned they took the name Lucifer out but what did they do in his place? Let's take a look. In the New International Version, in the CSB, and in the New American Standard, they changed Isaiah 14, where the King James Bible says, how thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. These translations say, morning star. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star. This guy asks, why would some feel threatened that someone uses a Bible that deviates from the King James? Morning is Jesus, according to the King James and the modern versions. So why would the New International Version, the what is what is the CSB, the Christian Standard Version, and the New American Standard, why would they take Lucifer's name out? And replace it with a title that means Jesus. Because the story is talking about how Satan became the devil, how Lucifer became the evil one. They take Lucifer's name out, they replace it with Morning Star, and now they have Morning Star, Jesus, being kicked out of heaven. And if you don't think that's what they're doing, let's look at the other side of the verse. Remember in the King James Bible it says, Thou shalt be brought down to hell? The modern versions have changed that too. To you'll be brought down to the grave some variation of you'll be brought down to the grave since they replaced hell with grave they're no longer talking about the devil the devil is a spirit being and you don't put a spirit being in a grave because a grave is a hole in the dirt a spirit will float through a hole in the dirt they changed the story So that instead of it being the fall of Lucifer the devil being kicked out of heaven for wanting to be God and being brought down to hell, they changed it to the morning star, Jesus Christ getting kicked out of heaven for wanting to be God and was brought down to the grave. There's no excuse for them doing that. There's no reason for them to have done that, but they did. And they try to pass this off as being more correct and the King James I'd say that's a major deviation from the King James turning the story 180 degrees the other way no I think that's a reason to sound the alarm it's a big reason to sound the alarm a very major deviation that shouldn't be tolerated but for some reason it is because the new international version and the new American standard is like two of the most popular modern versions that's out there. Yet it has a major deviation like that and nobody wants to say anything. If there was something in the Bible that said, if you do this, you're going to be doomed to the fires of hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. ever. Wouldn't you want to know what it was so that you don't do it? Well, there is such a thing in the Bible. It's commonly called the Mark of the Beast. The King James Bible and the manuscripts that it comes from is known for prophecy, predicting the future. And what it is predicting is that in the future, money, as we know it, is going to be done away with. No more paper money, no more coin money. It appears, if I'm reading it correctly, money is going to become biometric. Somehow there'll be something within your body that you'll use as a way of paying for things. I don't know how it works The technology probably hasn't been made yet but the Bible is predicting that that's the direction things are gonna go but the Bible warns if you take this mark you'll be able to buy and sell but if you don't take the mark your life is gonna be on the line if you take the mark you're doomed I don't know what it is about the mark i don't know what the mark is a lot of theories a lot of guesses that's a video for another time but whatever this mark is the bible warns don't take it there's something about it something about the technology they're not telling you don't take it because if you take it God no longer wants anything to do with you you are cut off forever and ever and ever you're cut off there's no way you can get to heaven the gates of heaven will be slammed shut you're not getting in if you take that mark now wouldn't you want to know what it was or at least something about it so that you don't slip into it unknowingly in Revelation chapter 13 16 In the King James Bible, it tells you that the mark is going to be in the right hand or in the forehead. It makes it very clear that whatever this is, it's something that's going to be implanted within the body or injected within the body or something to that. But it's going to be something that's going to be inside of you. And it appears whatever it is that they put inside of you, once it's in there, there's nothing you can do. You can't get it out again. But it's clear, for over 400 years, God's holy word has told us this mark is going to be in the right hand or in the forehead. Let's see what the modern versions do. The so-called New King James, which is not a King James at all, it's a phony, it's a fake, it's a fraud, it's not a real King James Bible, it's a fake. The New King James, the New Living Translation, the New International Version, the English Standard Version, the Christian Standard Bible, the New American Standard Bible, the NET, the Revised Standard Version, and the list goes on and on and on. They change the location. Where the King James Bible says the mark will be in the right hand or in the forehead for Revelation thirteen sixteen. The modern versions, most of them, Changes it to on the right hand or on the forehead. That's a major deviation, folks, because it's going from something that's implanted within you, which is the direction technology is going today. The modern versions are changing it to something like a tattoo, something that's going to be on your body. And I got a feeling that in the day when this new financial system kicks in, There are going to be some that are going to go, you know what? This sounds like that mark of the beast mentioned in the Bible. And they're going to go to their modern version, and they're going to open up their modern version to the book of Revelation, chapter 13, and they're going to see in there that it says the mark is going to be on the right hand or on the forehead. And they're going to go and they're going to grab their other modern version, and they're going to look in there, and they're going to see that it says the mark is going to be on the right hand or on the forehead. And they're going to go and they're going to grab another modern version, they're going to look at it, and they're going to see that it says the mark is going to be on the right hand or on the forehead. it's never going to occur to them to pick up a King James Bible because they would have had their mind and heart poisoned against using it through lies that it's too hard to read, not for today, inferior manuscripts, inferior scholarship, all that nonsense that they say against this King James Bible, which is false. It's not even going to occur to them to pick up a King James Bible where it's going to warn them that the technology is going to be placed in the body not on the body. And I got a feeling in that day there are going to be people who are going to go and take the mark following these bogus modern versions. And They'll take the mark and they'll be doomed. All the while God's Holy Word has been warning them it's going to be in the body, not on the body. But they refuse to read it. I'm trying to do my little part to get people back to the King James Bible back to what the Bible is supposed to say so the guy asked a question why would someone you know be threatened that somebody uses a Bible that deviates from the King James those are two major deviations I can deal with a lot of others let me do one more when I was young and they really started pumping out these modern versions one of the things they kept telling me was don't worry about it brother they're just making the Bible easy to read and easy to understand but they're not going to change any doctrine they're not going to mess with the doctrines I keep hearing that no doctrine is going to be affected no doctrine is going to be affected depending on which modern version you use will determine which doctrine gets attacked one of them that a bunch of them have chosen to attack is the blood of Jesus Christ the blood of Jesus Christ is a doctrine within our faith that through his shedding of his blood for us on that cross we get the forgiveness of sins through belief on Jesus Christ that is a doctrine of our faith in Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 my King James Bible says in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins let me read it again in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ is very important to us. It's part of our doctrine. It's part of our beliefs. When you look into the New Living Translation, the New International Version, the English Standard Version, the Christian Standard Version, the New American Standard, the New American Bible, the Revised Standard, the list goes on and on. It'll read something like this. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The whole sentence about the blood is gone. Through his blood, they took it out. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The means of the redemption, the blood of Christ, removed. It's a doctrine. I was told when I was growing up, don't worry about it, brother, no doctrine is going to be affected. Right. That's just one of many. So if the modern versions can't tell the difference between Lucifer and Jesus in Isaiah 14, if the modern versions are going to confuse you as to where the mark of the beast is going to be located and could end up dooming you to the fire of hell, if the modern versions are going to attack the blood of Jesus Christ by removing it and not telling you they took it out why would you want to trust them? why would you want to trust them? this guy asked the question why would one feel threatened because someone deviates from a King James Bible? Because so when you deviate from what this book says there's only one direction to go error. This should be the standard for English-speaking people. This has been the Word of God for over four hundred years. There's a reason why this book's been around so long. There's a reason why after four hundred years, more than four hundred years, this book is still in print. This so-called New King James, this fraud, this fraud, it's out of print already. Less than forty years, it's out of print already. It's a fake. They got their money off of it, though. They made a lot of money off that so-called New King James. But it's a fraud. It's not a real King James Bible. Not translated from the same manuscripts, not translated the same way, doesn't teach the same thing, and it died in less than 50 years. It's gone. Out of print. They've moved on to the next thing. Stick with the good old-fashioned King James Bible, guys. The good old-fashioned authorized King James Bible. You cannot go wrong. His next question is, by whose authority can the KJV not be usurped or challenged by advocates of new Bible translations? His use of words is very interesting because he used the word usurp. The word usurp means to take a position of power or importance illegally or by force. It means to seize, to take over, to expropriate, to take possession of, to steal, to wrest, to aggregate, to commandeer illegally, to supplant, to topple, to unseat, to dethrone. Is that what they told us the modern versions were here for? Is that what the, the makers of the of the uh, New International Version, Zondervan, is that what they told us the New International Version was here for—to make the Bible, uh, uh, to overthrow the King James by force, illegally? Is that what they—is that what they told us these modern versions are here for? Is that what they told us the so-called New King James was here for—to—to to topple and overthrow the King James? they try to tell us these modern versions are here to make the Bible easy to read and easy to understand. That's what they told us. They told us it wasn't going to change or affect any doctrine and they lied. This guy asked by whose authority can the KJV not be usurped? My Bible tells me to earnestly contend for the faith that was once given to the saints. This King James Bible contains the faith that was once given to the saints. Part of that faith is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. And when a book like the New International Version and these others come along and they start attacking the blood of Jesus Christ by taking it out, I am under obligation by the authority of the word of God to earnestly contend for what this book is taught, the word of God, contend for the faith. That's by whose authority? I'm nobody important. I'm just a Christian, a nickel and dimer. But I take a stand for this book, and I've done it for years. That's by whose authority? His next question is Why would God give His special gift to the English and English speaking first and their salvation first? Now, some of His questions are kind of weird. Uh, he didn't give it to us first. It was given to the Jewish people first. We got our translation to King James from the Jewish manuscripts that were handed down from generation to generation. The modern versions gets theirs from the Catholic Church. Completely different source. But why would he give his word to English speaking people is his question. And I think the answer is actually real simple. The God of the Bible was wise enough to know that the English language would sweep the world. You go to foreign countries and you'll often see signs that are written in their native tongue and in English. There are oftentimes, you go to a foreign country, they'll speak their native language and English. God knew that the English language would sweep the world, so in his wisdom, He allowed his word to be translated into the language that would sweep the world. That way you don't have to have a thousand different Bibles in a thousand different languages. You put it in the language that would sweep the world. And then you send out people that speak that language to the world as missionaries to preach Jesus Christ. He had his word translated into English in a time before a lot of the modern day movements got started before the progressive movement before the communist movement before the socialist movement before the feminist agenda before the politically correct agenda before the homosexual and transgender agenda and all these other things that are influencing these modern versions today this King James Bible was translated before all that ever got started therefore it's not affected by it like the modern versions are this so-called New King James by the time they got done with this thing it was a gender-neutral mess gender-neutral because they're trying to comply with the politically correct and the transgender movement and the feminist movement they're trying to comply with the latest movements the King James Bible is not affected by that. So God in his wisdom, why did he allow it in English? Because the English language would sweep the world. He put his Bible in the English language and English speaking people go around the world as missionaries preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my answer. It's the best I can do. His next question, we only got two more, three more questions actually. I want to try to squeeze this in, try to do all this in one video. His next question is Did God inspire King James or his advisors or his translators to put together the King James Bible as a definitive translation of his holy word? Was King James, his advisors, or the translators inspired? Let me just shorten his question down. Were they inspired? oftentimes when Christians are asked this question if you stand for the King James Bible you want to answer to the negative or to the affirmative to the yay or the nay that's not the way to answer this question because it's a trick question I've learned this through the years it's a trick question no matter which way you answer it they're gonna attack you either way but there's a third way you don't accept the premise you see King James didn't translate this He didn't write this. King James never claimed to be inspired. Neither did his translators. And you don't have to be inspired to translate from one language to another. These men never claimed to be inspired. So why slap a label on them that they didn't slap on themselves? So when somebody comes to you with this question about whether they're inspired, You just tell them that's a non-question because they never claimed to be. And you don't have to be inspired to translate a book. That's the easiest way to answer that. It's a non-question that can be answered really easy just like that. They never claim to be inspired. So why are they slapping a label on these men that these men didn't even slap on themselves? And you don't even have to answer their question and neither will I. Next up, it says here are the translations that came out before and after the King James inferior to the King James. Well I can only speak for English because that's a language I speak. So let's take a look at the Bibles that came out before the King James. And you tell me This here is the Coverdale Bible. Can you read it? This here is the Great Bible. Can you read it? This here is the Bishop's Bible. Can you read it? This here is Matthew's Bible of 1537. Can you read it? This here is the Geneva Bible. Can you read it? This here is the King James. Now if you're in a library that's filled with books that are written in a language you don't read and you have one book there that's in a language you do read Even though the other books may be great translations, they do you no good because you can't read them. Therefore, all these earlier translations would be inferior to the King James Bible that we have because you can't read the earlier translations, but you can read a King James. Again, they may be great translations, but if they're unreadable, they do you no good. They could read them back then we'd have a lot of trouble trying to read it now. Let's just be honest, the King James Bible would be superior if you're dealing with Bible translations you can't read. When it comes to Bibles that came out after the King James, well again we're dealing with apples and oranges now because the modern versions are not coming from the same manuscripts as the King James. The modern versions rely very heavily upon Catholic manuscripts which read very differently. So we're not talking about the same kind of thing here. The modern versions have taken a lot of stuff out of the Bible. You hear people talk about the modern versions and how they are supposedly closer to the original manuscripts of the Bible. It's not the case. The New Testament of the modern Bible versions comes from a variation of a Greek manuscript known as the Westcott and Hort manuscripts. Westcott and Hort wrote their manuscripts in the 1800s. They started around the 1850s and they finished it around 1881 these men were very heavily influenced by the Catholic Church they believed in the Catholic belief system and various other things they were also involved in some occultic practices I understand these guys hated the King James Bible and they made it clear they hated the King James and they hated the manuscripts it came from called the Texas Receptus they mentioned that in their writings so when they put together their manuscripts they wrote their manuscripts to convey the way they felt about the King James and the manuscripts it came from. Now remember I told you about this fraud called the New King James? When they came out with this, they wanted to find a way to get Christians away from the real King James to follow this counterfeit they knew that people like myself who stuck with the real King James we stuck with the real King James because we knew these modern versions had major problems they had veered way away from what the Bible is supposed to say they wanted to show us that they're on our side that they understand that they know the struggle they're down with the struggle and they're on our side and they want to try to show us that they're on our side so that we would accept this counterfeit and get rid of our real King James Bible And in order to try to ingratiate themselves to us, they decided to tell us the truth because they knew that if we're sticking with the King James and we're not moving to the modern versions, we already knew. So they wanted to show us, hey, we're on your side. So they're going to tell us the truth about the modern versions. But once they got Christians to accept this so-called new King James, These Christians found out later, and some of us haven't figured it out yet, that they got tricked. They told the people the truth to lure them in to a fake Bible. Remember, deception is never really 100% pure deception. Deception is always going to have a layer of truth that lures you in. And then it's the deception that's waiting behind the door to tear you down. This is the layer of truth that they dangled out in front of King James Bible believing Christians to lure them into the so-called New King James. They decided to tell you the truth about the modern versions. This is from the 1979, see this is New King James, you never hear anybody talk about this uh, version of the New King James. This is the New King James and you'll see here it says 1979 you never hear people talk about the 1979 edition for some reason they don't seem to talk about it don't know why or maybe it's because of this 1979 it was only New Testament they have a section here called Greek text Again, New King James I want to show you guys I'm not lying to you I'm not making stuff up I got it highlighted here and it says the Greek text I'm gonna put it on the screen and I'm gonna read for you what it says Okay. I'll read for you what it says here the guy wants to know are the translations that came out before and after the King James are they inferior to the King James we've already seen the ones that came before though they may be great translations if you can't read them they can't help you the King James Bible you can read now for the modern versions are they superior or inferior to the King James I'm not going to have to tell you. I'm going to let the people who put together these fake Bibles, these fake modern translations, tell you themselves which is the real and which is the fake, which is the inferior, which is the superior. Page letter V in the 1979 New King James under the section called the Greek text. It says, it is commonly known that nearly all modern English translations of the New Testament are derived from a type of Greek text advocated by Brooke F. Westcott and Fenton J. Hort and others in the 19th century. The Westcott and Hort theory has been a leading view of textual critics and translators since that time. Although there are not massive differences between the two textual foundations of the New Testament, the net effect of Westcott and Hort type of text is to delete many words, phrases, and verses that are found in the authorized version. I'm going to read that small section again so to hit home because all of these modern versions come from Westcott and Hort for their New Testament. All of them. They call it the Nestle Aland manuscripts today. They call it the United Bible Society, the American Bible Society. It's Westcott and Hort under a different name. It's just revised Westcott and Hort manuscripts. Although there are not massive differences between the two textual foundations of the New Testament, the net effect of the Westcott and Hort type, which the modern versions come from, the net effect of the Westcott and Hort type is to delete many words, phrases, and verses that are found in the authorized version. The publishers are familiar with this issue of the continuing discussion between textual critics. Recently, there's been a growing concern among reputable New Testament scholars that the 19th century text suffers from over revision and that the traditional Greek text is much more reliable than previously supposed. The traditional Greek that the King James Bible comes from not the Catholic manuscripts, the traditional Greek manuscripts that the King James Bible's New Testament comes from they're saying it's much more reliable than they supposed. That way you're not saying Jason Zelda, he's one of those King James only guys, he's never going to get the modern versions a fair shake. Hey, I didn't have to say it. The makers of this fraud called the New King James, the guys who are behind these modern versions, they're the ones telling you. Don't get mad at me, they're the ones telling you this they're the ones telling you I'm just showing you what they're hiding that's why they don't talk about the 1979 so-called New King James they spilt the beans in here now they're trying to cover up the beans this guy asked a question are the translations that came out after the King James Bible are they inferior or superior to the King James you just heard the people who are behind the modern versions tell you. The manuscripts, the traditional Greek manuscripts, which is what the King James Bible comes from, is called the Textus Receptus, those are the ones that are most reliable. The modern versions, they say themselves, are victims of over revision. When you look at the Nestle-Alon manuscripts, just look at what edition is it on right now? 26th, 27th edition? That means at least what 25, 26 times they've changed those manuscripts. And every time they change the manuscripts, they have to then go back and change the modern versions that are translated from those manuscripts. And what you can end up with literally is you can end up with two people in a room with a Bible that says new King James or new international version. Both of them may say the same title, but if one came out one year and another came out a few years down the road, they may start reading those verses and say, wait a minute, your Bible's not saying the same thing as mine. Even though the title page says they're both new international versions or new American standard Versions or new revised standard versions or whatever, the title page may say the same thing. But if they come out in different years, you might find some of the verses are not matching anymore. Why? They're relying on these manuscripts that keep changing every few years. As I say, they're up to what, 26th, 27th edition or something right now? You know there's going to be a a 27th or 28th and a 29th and a 30th? They're not going to stop. They're making money. They're not going to stop. They make money. Every time they come up with these things, these modern versions, they make money. They ain't going to stop. Okay. So the modern versions, are they inferior or superior? Let me show you something else. I'm going to just continue to answer the question by letting the people who are behind the modern versions tell you rather than me telling you. I'll let them tell you. This here is two, two scholars that are behind the modern versions going to tell you that this so-called New King James, by the time it came off the presses, it was already out of date and they knew it. by the time it came off the presses it was out of date and they knew it did that stop them from selling it nope did that stop them from making money off of it nope nope did that stop them from trying to advertise this thing as being superior to the king james nope it didn't stop them even though they knew it was inferior they lied and told christians it's a superior bible when they knew before the thing even came off the presses, it was out of date. And it's not me telling you, I'm gonna let these scholars tell you. Take a listen. Is the
3: English language changing? The culture is changing? And uh, we need a a translation that uh, the ordinary person on the street will understand. Uh, The Bible didn't intend that you had to be uh, uh, a Ph.D. in order to understand the Bible. It, it was intended for the ordinary person. And so uh, as the culture changes and as the language changes, uh, you'll find even uh, the uh, uh, updates like the new uh, uh, new King James Bible is already out of date uh, even if in 30 years
4: or so. Wow. The MEV sought to bring scholarship as well as the beauty of the King James together in such a way that it can it passed the King James forward in a way that brought it into modern English without losing any of the beauty of the translation. The King James Version is very very much anchored in our culture a lot of people don't realize that but idioms such as apple of my eye actually come from the King James translation and there are a number of idioms that way in our in our language yet these things are slowly being lost and people aren't familiar with the fact that that comes from the Bible and so the King James version needed to be updated in a way that it's accessible to a modern audience this is illustrated by the fact that the new King James came out in 1982 This was the first attempt, serious attempt, to bring it into modern English. Yet when that came off the presses, the English language had changed already so much so quickly and it continues to change so quickly that a new translation is now needed. It has been almost 30 years
0: since the new King James came out. The MEV answers that call so you heard it for yourself I didn't have to say anything he wants to know whether the modern versions are superior or inferior to the King James you just heard from the scholars yourself who are behind these new versions tell you that these modern versions are translated from inferior manuscripts with inferior scholarship they can't hold a candle to the King James but they're never gonna tell you that because you're continuing to give them your money for their versions and as long as they keep making money off of it they're gonna keep on piping them out so I just want to at least warn you guys and answer his question. Last question, we're finally there. Last question. Let's see. A long question, but we'll sum it up real easy. He says, diligent Bible scholars, researchers, men of faith, academics have identified many errors in the King James Bible. One such error of notoriety in the King James version is First John, five, verse seven and eight. The latter part of verse 7 and the first part of verse 8 did not appear in the Greek text for the first thousand years after the scriptures had been completed. That's what he said. Hmm. Is that right? 1 John 5, 7, according to him, was not in the manuscripts for a thousand years after the Bible had been finished. There are people who actually believe this. There are people who are taught this and they believe this and they accept this. He says, all these scholars and researchers, men of faith, academics have pointed out all these errors and he didn't mention a single name of anybody. So what is it about the first John 5, 7 that angers them? That they say part of the verse seven doesn't belong, part of verse eight doesn't belong? What is it with this verse that bothers them? When I was growing up, this was called the Trinitarian Proof Text. When somebody asks you if, if God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how do you know? You go to the Trinitarian Proof Text and you show them. 1 John 5:7. It says, For there are three that bear a record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Verse 8. And there are three that bears witness on the earth, the Spirit, the blood, and the water, and these three agree in one. So you have a heavenly reference, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You have an earthly reference, Spirit, blood, and water. It flows as the King James Bible does what they're saying is the heavenly reference and the Trinity are supposed to be taken out hmm why would they say that what did these guys just get done telling you about Westcott and Horton the Westcott and Horton technique was to what delete words phrases and verses that appear in the authorized version. All the modern versions New Testament comes from Westcott and Hort. That's why the verses chopped up like that. They're copying Westcott and Hort. I was reading in my comment section somebody sent me a comment, nice guy. He said he asked his elders, how come there's verses missing in their Bible? How come there's just issues and, and you no know, verses missing and things like that? And he said his elders told him that these verses were added by the King James translators. No. Let me say it again. The modern versions come from Westcott and Hort for their New Testament. They call the Westcott and Hort Manuscript the Nestle Alon Manuscripts now, they call them the United Bible Society Manuscript, they have a whole bunch of different names for it, but it's still Westcott and Hort. Westcott and Hort's technique was to remove words, phrases, and verses from the King James Bible if they didn't like it in the King James Bible they left it out of their manuscript they didn't like the idea of the Trinity being in the Bible so they took it out they did not apply it to their manuscript the modern Bible versions are translated from Westcott and Hort or variations of Westcott and Hort's manuscripts which are variations of the Roman Catholic manuscripts that's why the verses don't appear in the modern versions now is it true that these verses didn't show up for a thousand years no on your screen is 18 sources dating way back before 200 AD where the early church fathers were quoting that the three are one this guy claimed that the first Greek text to have that in there came out a thousand years after the Bible was finished really then how is it that people in the two hundreds AD they're quoting the 301 you see when he comes out and claims that this verse didn't appear for a thousand years I don't know where he got it from but he didn't tell the truth I'm being nice about it. He didn't tell the truth. But he speaks as an authority. Guys, um, that's seven of his questions. And I hope I've dealt with it properly. I hope I've given you guys some information to help you out. If you really want the Word of God, folks, you speak English, you don't need to go any further than the authorized King James Version. It doesn't leave stuff out like the modern versions do. Modern versions leave verses out. Matthew 17, 21, Matthew 18, 11, Mark 9, 44, Mark nine forty-six, just to name a few verses that most modern, modern Bible verses are completely removed. And you won't even know what those verses say unless you have a King James Bible. It'll tell you what the verses are. This is the translation that's not going to water down the Word of God. It's not affected by the modern day agendas it's going to tell you what the facts are. If you've never read a King James Bible before you can start in the New Testament. Start in the New Testament start reading it. When you get done the New Testament then go to the Old Testament. It's worth reading because it's much better for you to read this for yourself and know what it has to say than to trust somebody to tell you what it says because you can't trust they're going to tell you the truth. And I just want you to be prepared. you know if somebody comes to you and try to you know destroy your faith in the Word of God and get you to try to follow some of these modern versions, I don't want that to happen to you, man, and ladies, I don't want you to end up a victim, okay, so I hope this has been able to help some of you guys out and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. you guys want to leave some comments? Uh, feel free to leave some comments. Let me know. By the way, guys, I mentioned at the beginning of the video, I'm Theo Hickmat. Friends call me Jason Zelda, singer, songwriter, Bible teacher. And oftentimes people focus on the Bible teacher part, and some have wondered, you know, where's this music? I'm a singer songwriter, where's your music? I have a web page now. It's JasonZelda.com. JasonZelda.com. Uh on that page, um, I have some of my songs, I have a whole lot of songs that are not on my webpage yet and I don't intend on uploading them until this website takes off. It's been up there for a year now. And uh, as of last year, 2018, I don't think I advertised it very much at all. So I didn't make any sales at all last year. Zero. Um, So hopefully this year, People will visit the site. If they hear some songs they like, they can go ahead and and download. They're very cheap. Some of the songs are as low as forty five cents. You know, Uh, I have jingles on there. I I write uh, songs. I write love songs. I write uh, jingles and themes and things of that nature. And for my songs, I do all the singing voices. So if you hear a song in the site, there's five or six people singing in harmony. I do all of those voices. Now, when it comes to my jingles and themes, I would often use the voices of the people from the particular podcast or something, whatever show that I happen to be doing a the theme for, I would tend to use their voice and put my own music behind it and sort of mix their voice into the music. But these can be used as ringtones for your phone or various other things as well. So feel free to check it out, jasonzelda.com. And... uh you know if you want to leave me a comment if you have any questions or anything just feel free to drop me a comment and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys down the road on the next video.